Welcome to episode 17 of the postcast, and boy, do we have a good one for you. Uh, we've got the recap of the Philly FC Cincinnati match, the one that uh, one intrepid journalist seemed to think that Philly got the better of. I'll remind you that one ended in a draw. We'll also discuss the future of this team, in particular, what's going to happen with Tyler Blackett. We'll discuss Brandon Vasquez's national team snub, but every journalist's insistence on putting him in the national team. And finally, it is our very, very first edition of Soccer Blog Book Club. Uh, It's a fun idea, it's a dumb idea, but join us as we read a fan blog all together and react as we go through it. I think you'll enjoy that one. And that'll be your episode 17. And joining me to discuss all of that and more, we've got the usual crew back. It's been a while. Grayson, welcome back to the pod. Did you remember your code to get into the building this time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always always remember it. It's uh, 42069. Oh, I see you were on Xbox Live, too, as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the idea of one day the post uh, getting an office. That feels like a step forward and a step backward compared to where every other business is going these days. I did and, see a tic- uh, I saw a TikTok recently about a guy that was living inside a storage locker that um like one of those giant like complexes <laughs> yes. that you can rent. I yes. feel like that's about our speed is that we rent a storage locker and use it illegally as an office for a quasi journalistic outfit. I I always liked those companies that let you uh, rent a mailbox in like Dubai or the Empire State Building to make you feel like you're a bigwig. I think the post has to do that, but it'd be like Karoo Tower. Now we're running we're running up we're running a post office box at the Beachmont Mall is what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I bet all those all those businesses that rented mailboxes in the Trade Center probably had a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> are you okay? How, what? How, oh my how, god! How are how are you guys open today? What happened? <laughs> yes, we got all of your packages. Why do you ask? Oh no! <laughs> I got that one out of the way with our all politics all the time uh, postcast. <laughs> Well, joining us on our uh, on our attempt to have our professional lives ruined, the chief. Hey, chief, how we doing? I'm live on vacation with the in-laws, recording from a closet in the rental property, so that I don't have to explain <laughs> to my father-in-law and my mother-in-law what it is I do with my free time. I get enough questions as it is. I don't need. I don't need to be. If I want to be judged, I'll go to confession. I don't need this. <laughs> so are you in a uh, a painfully Cincinnati vacation location, like a, a Hilton Head or, a, or no. Fort Myers? Or You know, shockingly, I have never been to Hilton Head once. I'm like the worst Cincinnatian. Whoa, that is shocking coming from you. Yeah, I know. I'll turn on our cards. We're done. This is not a Cincinnati podcast any longer. I've been twice. My family were more into uh, St. Augustine. I don't know if everybody's done that one, but uh, we, that was we the were, family's go-to. We were a Myrtle Beach family, so I know that's a little whiskey tango, but um, <laughs> we played a lot of miniature golf as kids, and yes. so that's that was our those were vacations there, and a lot of fried fried seafood, fried seafood and miniature golf. Well, I mean, Ooh. Pigeon Forge is just Myrtle Beach without the beach, so <laughs> you've ex- <laughs> you've experienced it. Myrtle Beach with bears. That's always fun. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, 
a place nobody will go on vacation. How about that? Uh, outside of Philadelphia, Chester, Pennsylvania, was the site of, I guess, the Philadelphia Union dominating, absolutely destroying. Hey there, Jonathan. FC hey, hey, Cincinnati hey. to a 1-1 draw where FCC had the better of the possession and any number of stats that you look at that the uh, the chief tweeted out post-game there. Um, awesome result. Awesome result. This was a game that I don't think many of us expected to win. I think everybody was hoping for a draw at best going into this one. I think you especially went that way when you saw the lineup that was put out there. No Lucho. Uh, Brenner in the lineup. Ray Gaddis getting his Philly farewell tour. Um, no, but the, the team grinds it out. They get a result. And, uh, I mean, that first half, they look they look stinking good doing it. Uh, Grayson... I, did you see this coming? Uh, am I alone in thinking that this this wasn't going to happen? Yeah, so I, I liked our team with the three wing, with the three center backs and the two wing backs. Um, so I thought we'd defend well, and you know Woboda's brought a lot of stability in the in the midfield uh, in front of the defense. But I did not see us being as dangerous as we were. You know, having more of the ball and having more of the shots. Um, I did think that we'd have trouble bringing the ball up the middle and trouble getting it in the final third in creative yeah. ways without Lucho. Yeah. But I thought the team adapted, you know, pretty well. I mean, you think that just because every time this team has played without Lucho, it's looked like an unmitigated disaster moving the ball forward. And basically, without Lucho previously, this team struggled to transition, I thought, from the back third to the middle third to the final third. They would There would be a disconnect yeah. without Lucho's attack-mindedness. But... I think what we saw was, to go back to a point Grayson has made repeatedly, that the pairing of Brenner and Vasquez, I thought, looked effective. I didn't think Brenner looked particularly good one way or the other, but they they moved the ball effectively. They held up play effectively. The For me, this result was was so much about that they had to go to a bunch of reserves that they otherwise wouldn't want in the starting 11, and they ground out a result. Um, yeah. You look at a lineup that's got Ray Gaddis in it, who has looked, I think, generously, you would say he's looked okay this year. Not right. great. Um, you've got uh you know, you've got Moreno out of the lineup, you've got Acosta out of the lineup. Um and they they really they played well. They played possession well. That's not what they want to do. But if you look at what it's kind of an interesting thing. Cincinnati doesn't want the ball when they play. But Philly also doesn't want the ball when they play. If you look at the numbers on Philly, Philly, they want to play direct. Um, Doyle had an article up today on MLS.com about this, that Philly's game plan is they play two strikers, they're in the diamond midfield, they're very narrow, and they go route one. And they bomb the ball up the field, Mm -hmm. and when that doesn't work, they concede possession. When they get possession back, they bomb the ball up the field again. So it was kind of Cincinnati running into a team that I know this is going to shock with Noonan coaching this team and Albright running this team from Philly, a team that kind of wanted to play like they've played so far this year. But what was neat about it was that I thought that Cincinnati adapted well to that, that this is not the style of play they want. They don't want to have a lot of the ball. They don't want to string a lot of passes and do a lot of switches back and forth. They want to go direct. But that was what Philly was giving them, and they took it and I thought they created a lot of really good chances in this game. And I know the XG says that we were a slight underdog to win this game in the advanced metrics, but they created a lot of really dangerous chances beyond the goal that Vasquez scored. So 
I, I don't see how you can call this result anything other than an unmitigated success, uh, especially given how badly we have played against the Union since coming into MLS. Yes. So you talked yes. about um, the, the Matt Doyle column, and I think uh, it, it brought up a, a really interesting thing, at least to me. Um, after the game, Jim Curtin was talking about how they were missing that one kind of special player. And I think that that echoes kind of what Albright said when he came to Cincinnati, that yep. he could bring a lot of the principles they had from Philadelphia. Yep. But there was a certain kind of player that um, is available to him here that is not available to him in Philadelphia. So if you, I know it wasn't Lucho's day, but like imagine the Union had a had Lucho. Right on a good or, day in that game, you know. Or imagine look, they had Waboto. Imagine they had yeah. a guy like that who can be a person where, if okay, you need to change your style of play up to be a little more possessive, to move the ball a little bit more, string more passes together, and you've got a guy in Waboto who can break up opposing attacks and then start an attack going the other direction on his own as well. I mean, that's the kind of guy. He's a difference maker on the field. Acosta is a difference maker on the field, and. Those are guys that Albright has access to because he's working with Cincinnati's budget. I think that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, and actually, Wobodo is is a great example because he is like DP Jose Martinez. You know, yes. Jose Martinez is a huge player for the way Philadelphia plays, and Wobodo is a very similar kind of player, but like leveled up. Exactly. You know. Yeah, I, I think the Martinez in particular is interesting because he was brought in as the Madunganen replacement. And I think Cincinnati handled him. I, I mean, he's a very good player, and he had his moments. But I I think they, they handled him just fine. And he if was anything, frustrated. Yeah, he, he was frustrated. I mean, I thought Madunganen played his game perfectly. Um, as you said, Chief, like that possession-type game isn't something that Cincinnati has wanted to play all year. And Madunginen was kind of like the perfect player to plug into that, to be able to do that. And he executed that perfectly. And Woboto covering the ground around him, I think, really unlocked what we needed to see out of Madunginen. And yeah, I, I saw those, those curtain comments as well. And I had the exact same thought. It was like, this is what... This is why Albright left, and this is why I'm sure Curtin was entertaining the thought of leaving, which was that, like, you get your your Lucho Acostas in Cincinnati. That's a bridge too far in Philly. They're not going to spend that much money on a, on a luxury player like that. And, um, and, the, and the difference yeah. is, too, that what, what money buys you in Cincinnati that it doesn't – you don't get in Philadelphia with what they're – the way they want to do business there is – it puts another club in your bag so that when you have to play a game like this, that you have a couple different skill sets that you can yep. go to the bench for and you can play a different game to counter what they're doing. So Cincinnati was able to change up. We were able to change up what we were doing and find some success um, countering their tactic of playing direct, playing yep. upfield, playing the long ball. And they didn't have an answer going the other way either. They don't have that player they can go to, or they don't have a player like Wobodo where he can do a couple of different things. Like the difference between a DP in MLS and a TAM player in MLS or just a, a line player in MLS is basically can they do more than one thing well. Like good teams in MLS find guys 
that do one thing very well, and they put them out there, and they slot them around, and that's kind of what Cincinnati sucked at in the night camp regime. We weren't finding those low-cost players that did one thing well, and the guys we were bringing in with money did one thing well, and everything sort of collapsed yeah. on itself yeah. like that. But with a guy like Wobodo, all of a sudden it's like, oh, he can do a couple of different things for you so that when you need to make a tactical adjustment because you've got this guy out or this guy out or this guy in COVID protocols, all of a sudden you can do different things and you've got another shot that you can take beyond just the same thing over and over again, which is what Philly has been doing to great success. But here with the money and here with the roster that we've got built, we were able to do something different. And that's that's a new thing for Cincinnati when you marry the money the player selection, and a manager that understands tactically how to deploy the assets that he has on the field in order to put a game plan together. And, and you're kind of seeing in this game as a microcosm of just why the Albright-Noonan pairing is so good, why the returns have been so good so early, yep. and why yep. I'm I'm staking the claim out there. I know we've, I've said it before and I've gotten some pushback on this. The time is now to start talking extension for these two guys and let them have some security about building going forward because I, I love what we're seeing right here. I, I think it's a great point, and it makes me think about Jim Curtin in particular because he has been running this system for so long, and yes, it's been successful, but you have to wonder if, one, he's capable of doing something else, um, he's not been given the tools to be able to do something else. And two, if he's not being held back, that if he doesn't go to a, a championship team with money in England, if he just doesn't prove that he's this insanely good coach because he's finally been given the tools to do more than one thing, or if he is just a, a one-trick pony and this is as good as it gets and he'll just forever be a essentially a cheat code to the playoffs in MLS and you hope for the best from there. I think in, in a lot of ways his career is being held back by the way Philly builds their roster, which, oh, by the way, includes arguably the best center back pairing in the league and arguably the best goalkeeper in the league. So I don't know. You give me 75% of that on the Cincinnati team, and I, I think we're competing for uh, Eastern Conference Championship right here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Grayson, what's, what's your thought? Well, I, I do wonder, you know, where does Philly get better? Mm-hmm. You know, because – they have their DP striker. He played in that game. You know, could you have actually both their strikers were DP, are, are DPs? Jeez. Um, and you know, would you take either one of them over Brandon Vasquez? No, absolutely um, not at all. Car- Carranza, I think maybe goes back to Miami at the end of the year because uh, he's on loan. So, but he's but he's the one who scored. Right. You have uh, Uwa, who I don't remember him doing anything. No, he, um, was, he was he was invisible in this game. Like so they, I think he had a couple of decent touches in the first half on a couple of those dangerous plays where they got the ball centered. Yeah. But like, yeah. I don't remember him. There was no play in that game that I recall watching where I was. This is watching and thinking this guy's worth the money they're paying him. Not at all. Yeah. So then you have like like Kevin said, you have the best center back pairing in the in the league potentially. You have arguably the best goalie in the league in Andre Blake. Uh, you have Bedoya on a lot of money you have your dps already out there um i don't know what martinez's salary is but i can't imagine you know them improving on him a whole lot with their restrictions and their structure so 
Um, it feels to me, and I thought this watching the game, and it's one of the things that made me kind of excited about where we could be not too long from now, is right. Philly Philly may be at their ceiling, um, yeah. which, is, which is very good, right? I mean, one of the best regular season teams in the league, but without a ability to take things up to the next to the next gear or give a different look in a single elimination playoff game. Yeah. No. And, and one thing I'm not concerned about is if we are in a single elimination playoff game, are we going to lose because Pat Noonan is too wedded to a single formation mm. or a single style? And I think we've seen enough to say that that's not going to be the case with him. No. And it's a good point about like where a team is capped out and where but a club is capped out under a regime. I mean, you look at Cincinnati right now, and we're, again, we, we've brought this up. I've brought this up multiple times, but they are doing what they are doing. This was another match where they got minimal contribution out of, uh, you know, minimal contribution out of Brenner. I thought he played okay, but it's not yeah. certainly not a DP level. Um, I don't think Yu Kubo played. If he did, I, I missed it, but he, he didn't play, play the game. Health um, and safety, I think. Health, yeah, he was health and safety. Alan Cruz didn't play. You're talking about major salary spots that that Noonan and Albright are going to have access to changing in the very near term. Um, at the very least, one of them can have their contract canceled in the offseason under the you know one-time thing for MLS. But yeah, um, probably you know Alan Cruz. I don't know how much more time he's got left on his deal uh, that the night camp signed him to six or seven years yeah, I think. i'm sure it is <laughs> but but yeah like that's that's why i i look at this cincinnati team and i just see nothing but positive going yeah. forward with this regime because they have so many more assets that are going to come online that they're going to have access to in the very near future in the very short term future um so and, i'm gonna i'm yeah. gonna say one one thing in defense of brenner and then uh one thing kind of <laughs> not in defense of brenner um, one is, I, I think one of the things that happened was because uh, Barreal isn't a like-for-like like substitute for Acosta, uh, Brenner, to my eye, was coming back, was coming further back um, yes. to get the ball and do more creation um, than he would have if Lucho was on the, on the field. Um, but I, I think one of the things that does determine how quickly we can see that improvement and reach that ceiling is figuring out what is happening with uh, Brenner and his young designated player spot. And it's becoming harder and harder to just say, oh, well, we need to see him and Vasquez and Lucho. Um, He needs more time because ultimately, we're getting close to the point where um, we need we need something from this from this roster spot. Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean I think Chief and I have been there for a little bit longer, but um, no, I I will give Brenner the credit there. Yeah, him and uh, Barrio. It, it appeared uh, Brenner was allowed to pull back into that that ten spot, and Barrio would go wide left shifting Vasquez over to Brenner's spot on the right. So it's kind and of was a good weird there. little shift. Yeah, it it worked well, but I mean, as much as Barial isn't a replacement for Lucha, neither is Brenner. Right. Um 
which is, I mean, I'm, there's not very I mean, many players cre- in MLS who credit can where, replace Credit Lucho, where credit's yeah. due, though. But, I mean, you know, in the past, this team has looked lost. Not mm-hmm. just bad, lost without Lucho Acosta on the field. And you got to give credit to, to Noonan and Brenner and Barrial. And they played really well in terms of, can you imagine telling yourself before this game that FC Cincinnati was going to outpossess Philly? Even knowing how Philly plays, they were going right. to outpossess Philly without Lucho Acosta, their trigger man on the field. I, I would have lost that bet a thousand <laughs> times out of a thousand. So whatever they had him working on in, in the training ground this week, and credit to, like I said, I wasn't going to shit on Brenner this podcast. Um, he was part of an offensive game plan that created chances that held the ball, that moved the ball effectively, I thought, in the final third, and drew a point out of it. Now, do I think that's justification for his DP spot going forward? Absolutely not. But in this one game, I thought he (laughs) had a great effort being asked to do what has never been done on this team, and that's make Cincinnati play watchable um, offensive football without Lucho Acosta on the field. So. Yes. Yes. No. That's it's been a difficult task, like you said. Uh, does this match give more ammunition, or does it take ammunition away? Are we allowed to use this analogy uh, to the people that say Don't this cancel team is- us? <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of the First Amendment? <laughs> I have and rights. The second God, one damn it. I'm worried about, and the Second Amendment. <laughs> How about the third? There's no no troops in my house. Okay. We never hear yeah, about there that. never will be. No, I thank forget, you, Third uh, Amendment. Thank I you. Forget the th- which, the uh, Third outlet. Amendment <laughs> defends the Second Amendment and the First Amendment because there's no troops in my house. I don't have to curse anybody out. I don't have to shoot anyone. There was, uh, I forget which outlet. It might have been The Onion, but I don't think it was. It was a Third Amendment advocacy group celebrates another successful year. It's pretty good. <laughs> there's a there's an incredible Twitter account. I don't know the the handle offhand, but just it's nothing but Third Amendment memes, and they're just they're fantastic. It'll be you like there is there is me, like a dark me money when a Third soldier Amendment. tries to stay in my house. Like <laughs> there is like a dark money Third Amendment institute. They rear their head whenever there's like a restriction on like a landlord's ability to evict people. And they oh, file a brief right. saying, you know, some of these tenants might be troops, and it so violates the landlord's to, Third yeah. Amendment right to make them, to, to prevent them from evicting troops from their uh, uh, apartments. There was, every... there, was a, there was a hot in the street moment uh, during 2020 when they were talking about having to quarter National Guard units in Washington, D.C. during the Black Lives Matter protests when oh, the Cheeto yeah. in chief got real mad about that. And the mayor of D.C. actually talked about invoking the Third Amendment, saying that the quartering of troops, National Guard troops in Washington, would violate the Third Amendment rights of the people owning hotels and businesses in Washington. And it was like, it was a potential for the first, because the Third Amendment has never been challenged in the U.S. Supreme Court. I think it's the only constitutional amendment where there has never been a ruling on the Third Amendment. And... That would have been hot in the streets. You know, update the con law case books immediately. Ooh, if every owner of a firearm is, by the Second Amendment, a member of a militia, does that make it easier to evict a firearm owner? <laughs> Are they well-regulated or not is the real question. 
that's that's a great question. Top uh, Carnes no. has turned off the podcast. <laughs> yes, this is the end of that. Uh, <laughs> no, the the original question I think I was going to ask is: Was this game uh, a positive or a negative for the folks who claim that FCC would be better without Lucho? That Lucho is a net negative on this team um, because they they performed okay without him. They so were less. Just... They were more limited and less dangerous, though. Okay. Yeah, that's. Fine. I mean, I, I don't see how you can use this game as an argument that the team is somehow better without Lucho. I'll engage in the argument just because you know I I don't want to call people fucking idiots for making this claim, <laughs> um, but they are. But l- let's be real here. In order to uh, play competent soccer without Lucho Acosta, they still had to deploy a designated player in a non-traditional role alongside another player in a non-traditional role just to basically make up for what Lucho does by himself. So, yes. so yeah, if you're willing to have your DP striker drop back and do a bad Lucho impersonation to score one goal, maybe that tells you you're better off just with Lucho doing Lucho stuff instead. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's, that's what I was thinking, but, you know, it's been a while since we've got a Lucho-less positive result, and I, I had Plus, to entertain the argument. No, there were no nutmegs in this game. It just it, it wasn't as fun to watch. Hey, that is Ray Gaddis. There was Gattis a Ray Gaddis sure. nutmeg. There was a Ray, <laughs> the slowest nutmeg in human history. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I do love, even though when Lucho isn't in the starting 11, he still finds a way to be a shithead at the end of the game. Like, oh. total... Just an annoying son of a yes. bitch. I, I love it so much. I, I I can't I can't help you if you're an FC Cincinnati fan and you don't love everything about what that little man does wearing <laughs> the orange and blue. He is just a a a pest, an annoyance, a jackass, a goal scorer, a spark plug. He's all of these things. He makes other fan bases miserable. He should be your favorite player. The team is not better off without him. Other teams don't want him playing. That's all you need to know about why Lucho Acosta is the best player on FC Cincinnati. Then you can't call out some shithousery without mentioning Baji. Um, oh, absolutely. Being, after being in the game about, <laughs> oh, yes. about yes. two minutes, had to sit down and stretch. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I was critical of Tommy G. I, I think everybody was for not quite picking up on what was going on. Nah, he's uh, just in really on it, man. Oh, he's playing along. Right. I like, like that. This is theory. like he's got Vince McMahon in his ear. He's selling the shit out of this. It's all about protecting kayfabe. This is a this is a Jim Ross announcing job right here. We got to make sure that we're not going to acknowledge that there's bullshit and shithousery happening. We're playing this completely straight. No, absolutely. Okay, I'm I'm convinced. I I was just going to say I don't think he's watching the broadcast because he's obviously there in person. But Baji very clearly mouthed to his teammate, "I'm fine," <laughs> as he's as he's stretching his knee out or whatever. It was very funny to me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I don't that's know. All part, that's all part of being a. If you want to be in the top half of the league in MLS, you want to make the playoffs. You got to do dumb shit like this. Yes, like that's all yes. part of being a well-coached team is game management. Down the stretch in this game. I mean, I noticed it. I, I don't know if you guys did, but it's there. You reach a moment in an FC Cincinnati game about, like, I'll say minute 75, minute 76, somewhere in that range, where they're drawing, they're on the road. It's, okay, let's see this one out, boys. We're, we're not playing for the win any longer. If it happens to go our way, fine. But 
We're getting a road point here. And it was so nice to finally see one of those games just basically go according to plan. That they saw the result out. They fell down a few times. They wasted some time. They didn't make any crippling mistakes. There were no, like, oh shit moments going down the stretch. They saw the result out. In fact, if um, Waboto picks his head up and uh, makes the better pass down the stretch in that last 95th minute chance, they had a one 2v0 break on. Yes. He makes that one, that one final pass right there. Yes. No, that was the most frustrating thing. Uh, Jonah, Knifey Lion Radio, tweeted that out uh, the next day of the, you know, happy with the draw, but can't believe they boofed this. And it's just <laughs> the most incriminating screenshot you've ever seen. Um, no, I, I've got to I've got to throw the, the historical context here because I, uh, I love this story. Uh, 2002 World Cup. England beats Argentina uh, on a penalty, and it was uh, very much a dive that won this penalty. And the lead headline or the front page headline in the main uh, Buenos Aires newspaper uh, the day after that game was, they've learned. <laughs> it, was, it was very much a, oh no, oh no, the English have figured out how, how to do the, the shithousery too. This is a problem. <laughs> the assimilation so, yes. is complete. Yes, so never, never feel bad for the uh, the shithousery. We said um, that this was we said this was a big <laughs> run of games starting yes. off here. Getting that one point though, that you, you can't at the very least, you know, you're not going to go over for the first few. You get that what, at first point out of the way. Now you're coming back home for for two straight, and you win one of these. You take three out of this, and all of a sudden you're at four out of three. That's that's not bad given the competition that they're facing right now. But getting that first point, not losing that first match out of the long break, that's that's big. Yeah. That's real, real big when you were talking about a layoff of close to half a month and coming back out of that and not looking like complete ass. So <laughs> all, no, all credit to Albright, all credit to Noonan, all credit to the team on that. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd made peace with five losses in a row. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm thrilled. Over the moon. I, it's such a Cincinnati reaction. I'd already made peace that we were losing out. It was all over. We had I mean, our fun. I, I think the argument was, if we're making the playoffs, I think you can make a strong argument that we're the seventh best team in the East, maybe the sixth best team in the East. And if you accept that, the teams you'd put above us are the five teams that we're playing here. Um, so I think the five losses made sense. And I think the optimistic view was, Four points out of these five matches would have felt good. And I think, I mean, you win against Orlando, then lose three straight and come back and beat Vancouver at home. That feels very likely. And that feels like a, a comfortable spot to be in the table uh, going forward after that. So I just don't that, want to hear any people freaking out yeah. if, if we lose three games in a row here. This That's is fair. Th- this, we need to get used to not overreacting to every little run of form, whether it's two wins in a row, right? two losses in a row. It's going to happen when you're having, you know, not a historically bad right. uh, uh, season. <laughs> and and th- at this point, this team is our, has earned, it's a different type of benefit of the doubt. They have earned the benefit of the doubt that they are not terrible, that they are yes. pretty, they're a pretty good average to above average MLS side with the potential to maybe be more than that. But it, even if they lose the next four, like even if they lose four straight, 
they the sky is not falling. This team has shown too much. They they they've shown they've shown they're so much better than they were at any point in this team's history. Probably since the supporters uh, shield, whatever the fuck it was that we won in USL. That's how long it's been since this team looked as good as this. Um, yes. And you, you just have to understand, I think, and I'm, you know, this, this is not me telling you how to be a fan, but this is kind of me telling you how to, how to be a fan. <laughs> you, you have to understand that this is not the same as last year. That even if they lose a few games in a row, we are not going to win. The, I feel very confident in saying we are not going to win the wooden spoon this year. We are not going to finish in last place. There are more wins out there they will get, even if they do lose three or four straight to some very, very good teams, because they're not there yet. They may be there by the end of the season with some key additions and some people moving out in this next window if they're hyper-aggressive. They may be there next year if they play over the next two windows and play their cards right. Um, They're not there yet, but they're on that trajectory, and the days of us you know, worrying that it's just going to be five straight games not scoring a goal like we had under yeah. Koch and then we had under Nightcamp. Um, or, or not Nightcamp, yeah, Ron Jans. Um, not Ron Jans. Who the fuck's his name? Yap Stam. God, I'm having <laughs> a brain fart. Too much corona on the beach. Um, <laughs> those days are gone. We're yes. not going to see that happen again. So just keep that in mind. I implore everyone, keep that in mind as you watch these next games that – this is not the same team as last year. It, it, it could not be more different. No, could could not agree more. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see how we we come out of these next few games. Um, Brandon Vasquez, really good. Brandon Vasquez, he's really, really, Vas- really, really, really good. He's so good. Um, Has any player ever been put on the national team more often and not been so like? It's funny, like, everyone thinks Brandon Vasquez is going to make the national team for the World Cup, except Greg Berhalter. Like, the only person that isn't isn't mocking Brandon Vasquez for the national team is the guy picking the national team roster. It's, it's frustrating that Vasquez didn't get a call up this past window, if nothing else but to train and camp with them. I mean, they were fucking training in Cincinnati. You couldn't ask him to hang around for an extra week, see how he looks. I understand wanting to see what you have in Haji Wright, and Jesus Ferreira is probably the lock. But bring the third striker in Vasquez and have the the competition between Wright and Vasquez over the summer and then see if anybody else gets hot. But, yeah, it was was frustrating. They, They say he's close. I don't know. The more the more they string him along, the more I'm seeing Mexican reporters and Mexican outlets noticing Vasquez and realizing that he is uh, eligible. And hey, whatever I mean, keeps we, him whatever keeps him pissed off. If he's pissed off, he's not on the he's not being selected for the national team, and yeah. that's willing to let him put his forehead on Front Street and get kicked in the face <laughs> to score a goal. Fine. If that's what if that's what's going to motivate him to dive that extra foot into a foot, then I'm cool with that. That's bring it on. That is completely fair. I, I just go back to, uh, I don't know if people remember Jonathan Gonzalez before. And, um, I mean, obviously, uh, most people remember uh, Green, uh, Julian Green. Um, has been known for a, a national team manager to promise a World Cup spot if they switch allegiances. So, I, 
Tata Martino's on the hot seat in Mexico. If he secures the rights to the hottest or one of the hottest uh, MLS strikers going into the World Cup, I don't know. I don't know. I, I after see, after, see after Christian Pulisic's comments about Cincinnati, you know what? <laughs> if Brandon Vasquez is starting from Mexico, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's one, one, one star from one of these two teams hasn't slandered my hometown, and that's Brandon Vasquez. So if I mean, Landon Donovan can me. have another team, I can have another team. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, I think that'll do it for part one. Part two, TBD? Might be <laughs> I might be re-recording this later. We'll see what happens. Uh, but part three, we're definitely going to talk about what to do with Tyler Blackett. Is Chris Albright punting on the season? And it's the very first soccer blog book club in postcast history. So enjoy the interview if it's here. Otherwise, we'll catch you in part three. Oh, what a beautiful, wonderful interview with whoever that guest just was. And let's hope to God it was or otherwise the uh, the intro to that segment isn't going to make any sense. Um, but, but no, we're we're going to talk about uh, a topic that I've I've been I've been wondering about. I'm surprised we haven't seen more uh, more articles written about this or even more smoke about this coming out of the club. Uh, Tyler Blackett's contract, as far as we understand it, uh, is up with FC Cincinnati on June. 30th. You'll notice that is only a couple of days away, and he plays a very important position. Center back there, without him, it gets pretty bleak pretty quickly. You'd have Jeff Cameron, Nick Haglin, and Ian Murphy in terms of first-team center backs. Yes, Alvis Powell could probably fill in. Yes, I'm sure there's a kid on FCC, too, that could fill in. Or maybe you put Madungin in back there, a guy who was historically not known for his defense. But uh, neither here nor there. It's tough sledding if Blackett isn't here. But on the flip side, has he earned it? Um... I mean, here's here's the thing for me. He's on $800,000 a year. I assume if he's being re-signed, he's being re-signed for a similar amount. Chief, I can't justify it. I think I'd be willing to go shorthanded for a couple of weeks to get a replacement for him. What say you? I think you have to be willing to go shorthanded to get a replacement in. But the thing is, I think I've said this before, you have to know when you turn that option down that there is someone out there that you can get. And if that isn't someone you already have locked into an agreement right now or you're close to an agreement right now, it's got to be some like a tier one, tier two, tier three, a couple of different options where you feel confident about getting one. Because the nightmare scenario here is you turn his option down and then you strike out in the window, and yeah. I have no idea what you're doing then. You are bringing in Harris Madunian in, or you're calling somebody up from King's Hammer at that point to try and play. <laughs> um, but his wage, it's too high. And I don't know yeah. how – is the option just for one year? Is it for another year after this one, or is it for a longer? Because that's that's another thing that if you're going to pick an option up on him, it you cannot lock yourself into him 
multiple years. Right. It, 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 it has to be something. I don't know if you can negotiate the option to finish out this year for less money or even paying him the full amount this year because they've got they've got the extra money in all these deals. As far as I know, um, they're still sitting on cash from a couple of deals and a couple of yeah. allocation order swaps. So I, I, I guess you could pay him a lot of money this year and just say we're, con- we're considering the option completed at the end of this season, negotiating something like that. But th- the depth is a huge problem. I'll do it temporarily, but I, I can't in good conscience think that that's a smart move to roll the rest of the year with the center back depth and no blacket. Yeah, I I think a lot of it depends on whether you have options with the option. I mean, can you go the other half of the season or do you have to pick up the whole, what I've seen Mm. reported, year and a half option? Yeah, you can't go a year and a half. At one time. Uh. Because you can't have him at $800,000 through through next season because um, that is the salary of the guy who is, you know, the anchor yes, of your defense. Yes. <laughs> that's more than Miles Robinson makes. Uh, that's more than I think both of Philly's center backs make. And as yeah. we said earlier, they're, they're considered, uh, you know, maybe the best center back duo in the league, and they're both in on uh, like 700 something thousand dollars a year um no you can't let me let me offer you this one grayson what if i turn down blackett's option but let him re-sign for the rest of the year at eight hundred fifty thousand? but you're out after this season do you make that deal it i think it depends on whether they can still sign somebody this summer window because for me, you need another center back regardless of whether you bring Blackett back or not. Yeah, that's um, So if you need him to go to bring somebody <laughs> in, yeah, then I, I would be fine going shorthanded. If you think you can still bring somebody in who's part of who's part of the plan or doesn't um, doesn't you know tie your hands uh, next season like maybe you can make a trade for somebody who's out of contract um, at the end of the year who can also provide mm, more provide more yeah. depth so if, if if that's the case or if you have you know a mid-tier option that you'd bring in anyway and your high dollar center back option falls falls through or there's nobody available this summer then I'd be okay keeping keeping Blackett for the rest of this season on something like that much money. But do I think that is Blackett worth picking up at his salary based on his play so far? The answer is clearly no. Yeah. It's not, but I mean just to give the devil his due and to you know to make maybe make it a little interesting since we're all in agreement on this. I mean, you don't you have to acknowledge that the team is where it is with Tyler Blackett on it. And has the defense been good? No, it hasn't. But um it's there. We have the points we have, we have the results we have with a center back grouping that includes Blackett, Cameron, Hagland. Um so th- there's a 
there's a workable combination in there that has produced some decent results. Um, so, I mean, is it the worst thing in the world if they end up with Tyler Blackett and they pick up his option? The answer is probably not. I, I don't think it's smart. It's a smart use of the money. But if you look at it as an idea of, okay, we're going to clear a lot of big salary spots elsewhere on this team in the offseason. Um, we're going to clear uh, probably at least Cruz, possibly Kubo or Brenner this offseason. Um, there's going to be other people that are going to be coming out as well out of contract. They're the people that can potentially move. I mean, is Blackett the worst thing in the world at $800,000? It's, it's not optimal, but it's... It's 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 survived this far, and I, I just I worry that if you don't bring him back and you don't have somebody lined up specifically to come in, and that's not like ironclad lockdown. We already have ink to paper on January twenty <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I mean, you are setting up for when we said in the last segment or in segment one that this team is not going to win the wooden spoon. Well, the caveat to that is is if they don't lose Tyler Blackett, don't sign another center back, and then, God forbid, Cameron or Haglin, you know, blows a wheel, and all of a sudden you are down to one healthy center back on the roster or a center back and a half on the roster, and yeah. your defense just starts getting carved up. Um, yeah. yeah, I and mean, that, it's not addition by subtraction. No. Right? No. I mean, he's not a player who makes you worse when he's just beca- just by being on the field. It's purely... He's not playing up to that $800,000 number. Are there a lot of scenarios where the team doesn't pick up the option and ends up in a worse place? Absolutely, yes. I, but I, when I say, you know, I, when I say that I think likely you don't pick up the option or you try to somehow only keep him through the rest of this season, I'm making a lot of assumptions about Albright, you know, developing a plan to replace him. So how about this yeah. for a thought? Do you think the plan was not to keep Blackett before the season started, and that plan might have changed because there's some results, they're in playoff contention, mm-hmm. and that this decision, the reason why we haven't heard a lot is that going into the season, going into like maybe even as recently as a couple of weeks ago, the plan was we're just going to let him go, we'll backfill with somebody from the academy, and so what, because this season really doesn't matter. But now they're staring at, I think they're right now, they're eighth in the East with a game in hand over Charlotte, who I think is seventh. And they're very much in the thick of it in terms of a conversation for a playoff push. By the time June 30th hits, I think we'll have played two more in this murderer's row. If you somehow, let's just play this out, and this this is completely speculative. If they somehow manage to win both these next two games, or they win and draw and pick four points up, and they're on five points out of these three matches, they're maybe as high as, I think, like sixth in the East. Does that change the math maybe on, yeah, we've got something, it's it's worth paying Tyler Blackett his money right now because, yeah, he'll be overpaid, but he's also helping us win games. He's helping us as part of this playoff push, and Maybe he wasn't in the plan because the plan this year was to kind of just punt and see what happens. But now, yeah. now we've we've get, we've kind of painted ourselves into a situation where we got to do this. I mean, That's, maybe the plan was to bring in Kayo and not pick up Blackett's option, but that plan fell through when the guys' Russian team insisted on a transfer fee. And then you know maybe the plan was to 
have a deal in place for Gregerson from Bordeaux, and Bordeaux is saying we need $4 million or more for him. And the only yeah. way that the team could do that is if they somehow get Brenner off off the books. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I off the books wondered, in a way that opens up a DP spot. I have wondered if so much of this is waiting on the Gregerson deal because Bordeaux is in arguably the, the worst negotiating position I've seen a club be in in a long time. The back-to-back relegation, desperate for cash, and Gregerson is, as far as I can tell, considered one of their best players. He's the hot prospect. Um, surely he doesn't want to play in the third division of France. He's, he's got national team aspirations. Um, well, Bordeaux appealed that. Did they? And uh, so I read, mm. and I, I don't speak French, so I'm reading translations. <laughs> of, uh, I'm staring at Google the screen, and I don't know what the words are, <laughs> but I'm certainly reading the article. I'm recognizing I'm a reading, couple of words. <laughs> I'm reading Google Translate. And so what I read today, which was a pretty recent article, was that they were facing relegation down to the third division, but they had lodged an appeal, and they may have some potential to present a financial plan to recover. Um, And the ownership group was talking about injecting some cash in, and then they were making some sales. And the guy that uh, Real Madrid just bought from uh, Monaco, Bordeaux had like a 10 or 15% sell-on fee for for that guy. Mm. Um, So... You know, if that's if that's in flux and they may be in the second division next year, then they're not in yeah. as bad of a spot as as we thought. But this is, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going right. on behind the scenes here? I don't. Yeah. I don't DM people, so I don't. <laughs> and I, this is why I've I've entertained the idea. And Chief, you brought it up perfectly. You, you spelled it out perfectly. So I've entertained the idea of like maybe you take a bigger hit this year with all of the allocation gam you've stolen from the league, and you pay Blackett a little bit more just to do the rest of this season, but give yourself the flexibility going into next year. Um, and I mean, they're, I still, was, they're still sitting on the allocation, the number one allocation spot, and there's been. There's been no rumors whatsoever for no. anyone on that list. I keep waiting every day to hear something about us being linked to like a Matt Miazga or something like that that's on the allocation list, and it's just not there. So if you're looking for yeah. flexibility to do a deal like that, you could finally just sell that allocation spot in the next window and cash out, take a couple hundred thousand in GAM with you, and then do something creative or something wacky with Tyler Blackett to pay him his money just to stick around for half a year. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that's kind of what I was thinking. But also, you bring up the perfect name, Matt Miazga. I mean, we've been clinging on to this allocation spot, and the more I look at the list, the more he appears to be the only name that actually makes sense. A domestic player plays a position of need is likely on the move. I think he's he's said he wants to leave, or Chelsea has said he's allowed to leave. Um, I don't know if he, he wants to remain in Europe. That would probably be the biggest thing. Um, but, yeah, like Almiron would be great, but I genuinely don't know how you put all of those pieces on the field together. Um, you know, Yoshi Yotun, like it doesn't really fit the system we've been working with, which is either Woboto in the back or a double pivot. He doesn't quite fit into that system. Um 
so yeah, I Miazga's the the name I keep an eye on as well, and I'm shocked that we we haven't been linked to him. So that is weird. Um, Grayson is does does what happen here happens here with Blackett? Does that determine whether or not Albright was punting on the season? Is that is that how you decide this? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't. I I don't know. I mean, I guess. Yes. No. If, okay. if, if they <laughs> if they if he picks up if he if he picks up the blacket option, um, it means he was he was punting on the season all along. Ooh. Okay. Okay. But if he but if he picks the blacket option up, that's yeah. an indication of a punt. Yeah. Just as is. Okay. Yeah. I think it's the exact opposite. I think that if we were punting on the season, you give yourself the flexibility for next year. You don't sacrifice that if it's on a year and a half mm. option. That's the punt move. The punt move is to decline his option and then call up whoever the best center back is from a terrible FCC two team and just roll <laughs> out with that. That's the punt move. If they pick Blackett's option up, it it indicates to me one of two things. And they're kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum here, so it's really hard to read tea leaves when they're this far apart. It either indicates to me that they're going for it or that they failed spectacularly at trying to land somebody else, and this is just the best they had around. But either way, I, I, I think that it, you don't. There's no reality to me where they're committing themselves financially to a guy like Blackett for multiple seasons now, unless they're trying to go for it this year, because there will undoubtedly be better options for center back. If not this window, then next window. You give yourself more outs to try and find people. But, no, I, I think if we pick them up, I, I think yeah. that's a sign. I still think they were punting on the season. I think that that's why <laughs> you had Gaddis getting you know $250,000. You had Baji getting $500,000 on a short-term deal. Um, I, I mean, I, I believed it when I wrote the article that I thought we would be better with no further moves just because of what we already had and, and Noonan being a better coach yeah. and having more experience in the league. But um, I I don't think that, you know, giving Ray Gaddis a, a, a two-year deal is something you do if you have <laughs> playoff uh, aspirations this year. Yeah, but that's what makes so, this so much – that's what makes this so yeah, interesting. Absolutely, is that, yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree that they went into this year <laughs> on a punt, or at the very least, a we're going to run three times in the pile and see if we get a first down. Like this, this to me is like the quintessential two-minute drill in the NFL at the end of a half when yep. there's like 45 seconds on the clock, and what you do is you you run two dumb plays, two draws up the middle, just to see if you get the first down. And you're okay going to half if they, you get nothing. But if the, your guy breaks off like a 15-yard run or a 20-yard run, it's like, okay, now now yep. we're in business right now. now and that's what this try. season is right here to me. <laughs> this season is they went into this year, yeah, we're going to sign Ray Gaddis. We're going to bring him out of retirement. We're going to shuffle a couple of deck chairs in the Titanic, see if we can't get a little better. And they're a little ahead of schedule right now. Not a lot ahead of schedule. They're a little ahead of schedule. And they brought Waboto in. I don't know if that was planned or that was an opportunity move where they it sounds like they'd been targeting him for a yeah. while. So yeah. 
I, I hesitate to say that wasn't part of the plan here, but things have come together really well for this team. With uh, Waboto, with Vasquez, with Baji, um, you're getting a lot from the guys that you've brought in. You're not being murdered by the guys that aren't there. And yeah, I, I do wonder, and this is really interesting, is he would never admit it, obviously, but if you were able to dose Albright with some truth serum, is has his mind changed this year because he's in a little bit of a playoff run. And not only that, but even more fascinating, is there a little more willingness from ownership to say, hey, people are excited for the first time in a long time. You thinking about going for it this year? Like, I know yeah. we don't want to use the M word, the metal word, but like, <laughs> is there any pressure on Albright right now to keep the vibes going when he would be happy to punt this year? I'm, I'm curious about that. And maybe mm. there is more willingness for an ownership spend to say, no, Go ahead and pay Blackett a lot of money this year. We'll buy it down because, you know, we want to make this deal work. Or maybe there is a little more ownership willingness to go and say, hey, you want Brenner out? We'll take a little bit more of a loss on that because we want to keep the good vibes going right now. I don't know. I, I think definitely you were correct. On, on match day one, the intention was to punt this season to some extent. But now, I don't know. I, I, especially after these next two games, the math on that may change significantly. Let me tell you the uh, the ultimate punt move. I was just looking it up. Aurelian Cullen comes out of retirement and signs, and that is your Tyler Blackett replacement. <laughs> 37 years old, played the last two years for Philadelphia, went into retirement. MLS uh, workhorse has played for like four or five different teams in the league. I mean, there's your there's your French defender. Uh, maybe they they even wink and a nod at it at the uh, the announcement. Oh, we knew FCC fans wanted a French defender, and we've got an MLS veteran for you right here, <laughs> and he's making fifty bucks in a game, and it's gonna be great, guys. You're gonna love this. So, <laughs> and all the Ryan guys he can drink. Yes, yes. Oh well. I think I, I am excited about this. I don't know if anybody else is, but I am hyped as hell for this. Uh, this is the inaugural. This is the the first episode. This is our first attempt at Soccer Blog Book Club. Um, Grayson, you, you pitched this idea. We both jumped at it. Uh, I, I believe the premise here is that neither one of us has read uh, the article that we're about to have read to us, and we will sort of live react to it. Uh, Grayson, if you had a different vision for this in your mind, please let me know. But that that is how I understand this. Story. No, yeah, that that sounds that sounds about right. Perfect. Let's roll. Okay. <laughs> so, so set us up. What are we listening to? Move okay. over, Oprah. Let's do this. So this is from this is from Massive Report. It's I'm the out. Uh, SB Nation Columbus Crew vertical. Talk yes. to me. Okay. Um, the, here's a here's a headline. MLS's new broadcast deal with Apple TV Plus will have unintended consequences. <laughs> All right. It's a bold claim. <laughs> Subhead is there may be things or people MLS didn't think about when signing its new TV deal. I mean, um, come on, corporate America. You need to think of everyone when you do these deals, not just. We've only had. What eight years to consider the ramifications of this deal? So that's good. Okay, I, I think so. There, there's like a kind of like a rule of headlines where if the headline asks a question, yes. the, answer the answer is no. Is no. It's Betteridge's <laughs> rule of headlines. Yes, the answer yes. is always yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Uh, it doesn't quite apply here, but I will tell you that it's close. Um, I think that the consequences are intended and very or, well known, or or at least 
Uh, accepted. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Major League Soccer made major headlines on Tuesday by announcing a first-of-its-kind broadcast deal. The league agreed to a 10-year, $2.5 billion deal with Apple that will start next season and see all MLS games broadcast on Apple TV+. It's a little not true. It'll be a uh, an additional streaming thing, but yes, all right, go ahead. For many they reasons, they will be on Apple TV Plus. Yes, for many reasons, this is a great deal for MLS and its fans. For one, but oh, never this mind. is a much bigger financial deal than many had expected the league to get for its broadcast rights. That's important to keep in mind here. I think that's that's the most important thing to keep in mind <laughs> yes. is that based on ratings alone, this team should be getting two packs of gum and a case of Bush Light. Yes. As reports circulated that the league was struggling to come to any agreement. <laughs> Additionally, fans will have all of their MLS games in one place with no blackouts and at set times, making it easier for those interested to find them. And also eliminating a number of excuses that crew fans have for why people don't attend matches, why people don't watch matches on TV. <laughs> <laughs> why people don't know that the Columbus has a professional soccer team. Right. <laughs> Those who are season ticket holders of MLS teams will not have to pay for this new platform either, encouraging more attendance at home matches. That's still not going to help. But there are two sides to every story, and this deal Ooh. also has some unintended or maybe overlooked consequences. I guarantee you they no. weren't overlooked. Yeah. <laughs> Along with the announcement of this Apple TV deal, MLS announced that there would be no more regional broadcasts for local fans. While this may seem to be a positive for cord-cutting supporters who've lost some of the regional sports channels on the streaming service, like many in Columbus, it also means the average MLS fan will now have to seek out and pay for the local games rather than flipping through their cable or streaming channels. Are they aware that they're, they're the average MLS fan... There is no average MLS fan. There's only a hardcore MLS fan. Like, yes. like this is, this is like talking about the person that casually show the casual Catholic mass attendee. That doesn't exist. The only people that go to church are people that are like really into fucking church. You already have these people. The the person that they're talking about that's just flipping around the dial and is like, oh MLS, yeah, that sounds like a great way to spend a Saturday afternoon. That, that the person that is a fake person. This is this yes. is a, the straw man to end all football straw man arguments. Yes. So making a sport oh, that is still attempting to grow in this country harder to find for those that aren't diehard is a step backward. It's okay. not harder to find. You've just made it easier. It's not hidden behind this platform, that platform, Univision on Twitter, but it's actually at Friday nights, but it's actually going to be on Sunday afternoons on FS1, but actually got flexed to Fox. It's going to be so easy. I, I mean, there were, certain, there were like, certain games in this league where it was like you had to watch the game on Univision on the secondary audio button. Your your only yes. way to watch this game was to t- pick up the Spanish, to know that you have to go to a Spanish language channel and then hit the button on your remote that usually gets you Spanish language on TV, <laughs> except in this case it gets you English so that you can watch a match on a channel for a language you don't speak because it's otherwise right. not televised anywhere. Right. Like, if you were to ask me, what time is the next ESPN broadcast of an MLS game? I don't have any fucking clue. You could tell me it's at noon. You could tell me it's at 9 p.m. I'd believe you either way. I just have no fucking clue. The only thing you would know for certain is that it's Seattle or Portland playing. 
Yes. <laughs> so I just want to point out the two paragraphs before the writer just said the games are easier to find. <laughs> right, right, right. So, on the one hand, the games are easier to find. On the other hand, the games are harder to find. So, and the other thing is, like, everybody who says that this that this deal is going to make it harder to grow the sport needs to explain why they think that the current setup is is adequately growing the sport. And That's- remember, they. As this article points out, nobody wanted to sign them to a new broadcast deal. Because the sport isn't growing. Because right. the MLS isn't growing. That's why they can't find it. If it was growing, somebody else would be like, oh, yeah, I want to have soccer in my portfolio because that's a sport on the rise. It's like, yeah, soccer is a sport on the rise. The problem is the Premier League is on the rise. La Liga right. is on the rise. Other better competitions get ratings. MLS draws about the same number of people as a test pattern. When you say that this is going to make it harder to grow the game, you are implying that the current setup is better, and you need to show your work on it. Or you need to come up with another model that would be better than either of them. Or a realistic alternative package, which, keep in mind, ESPN explicitly did not bid on any of the streaming rights. The argument that, like, oh, ESPN Plus is better because that's where sports fans already are. That's cool. ESPN already said no. So now your pitch has to be Amazon or Warner Brothers, who also said no with HBO because they were fine with just the U.S. men's national team because they split those deals up. So you have to like imagine another realistic thing. And it would have been like literally selling out to Bally's or it would have been selling entirely out to Univision and uh, Tudayene, uh, T-U-D-N, um, right. the other Spanish sports language. Or, or you're uh, talking channel. about or, or Paramount Plus, and we're just having the same conversation with a different fucking app. That's the killer thing. Apple TV and ESPN Plus have the same number of subscribers, like just flat out same number of subscribers. So it's not like they're going to this teeny tiny niche pool of subscribers. It's the same number of subscribers that already ESPN said, nobody fucking watches it on ESPN Plus. We're cool. We're fine losing. We're only like a couple paragraphs into this. I can already tell you the person that wrote this is over 40. Like, there's no (laughs) doubt in my mind. Like, Um, I would bet every dollar I have in my pocket right now that this person is over 40 that wrote this. I'm going to skip the next two paragraphs because they just kind of tread over the same stuff, and I think we've we've adequately addressed that. No, it's a reading club. We're going to read everything. It's a reading club. We need to make sure that the the listener at home knows what we're talking about here. So let's let's, let's go through it all. Fuck it. All right, fine, fine. Uh, The situation for bars or restaurants that have traditionally shown games available through cable or satellite packages becomes more complicated as well. Fans looking for games outside of their own home will have to hope local establishments get MLS's Apple TV subscription and familiarize their servers on how to access it. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. Last week, you weren't here. I proposed a solution to this where Joe Biden just declares a two-day holiday for all bars and restaurants to learn how to use streaming platforms. <laughs> all the bars in my neighborhood have streaming platforms. Right. That's the other thing, too, is that like anyone that's going to watch an MLS game, they're going to a soccer bar. I mean, yes. there's, I, I, the, the casual, again, you're chasing this mythical fan at a fucking Applebee's that's like, oh, is the, ML, is the Columbus Crew game on? No. That person does not exist. That is a fake human. That is a bot. <laughs> if you are going to Buffalo Wild Wings, my guess is you're not 
going to ask your server to put on the local MLS game on on TV. No, no, no. Um, Okay. While watching games at home may be easier with this new broadcast deal, finding a place... So they just said it was harder again, (laughs) but again, they backtracked and said it was easier. What the fuck? (laughs) Finding, Finding a place to watch MLS games while out could become a bigger challenge than it currently is in most markets. Where this where this new deal may have the biggest negative effect is on the local broadcast crews. Won't someone please think of the local broadcast crews? Was this person the color commentator or sideline reporter for the Columbus crew? No, no. (laughs) Instead of the play-by-play announcer and analyst fans are used to on their home broadcast, MLS will hire 10 to 14 people at each position to call all the games across the league, a model similar to the NFL. Yeah, why, See, would, we wanna, add why would we want to emulate the most successful yeah. sports league in North America? That's a terrible <laughs> fucking idea. This approach differs from the NFL model, however. It's also what the Premier League does, dipshit. This is how the Premier League productions works over in the UK. This approach differs from the NFL model, however, in that the NFL hasn't had local broadcast crews for years and never risked over half of the league's broadcast crews losing their job with this change. <laughs> in this economy... <laughs> Thanks, Joe Biden. It's, it's just so hard to I take did this. this argument seriously. This right. is like arguing against increasing the salary cap in MLS because the bad players will lose their jobs. Or that, the like, if you if you eliminate the salary cap in MLS, all of the capologists in the front office will be out of work yes. because all of a yes. sudden you'll just be able to pay people. Who wrote this? Ronnie G? <laughs> uh, some guy named Pat Murphy. Yeah, that's some, made up. Some Irish. No, that's like Irish the most. Ster- that's how you you. That's it's a made up journalist. You just take a very very stereotypically ethnic name that absolutely no one can Google because if you Google Pat Murphy, you will come up with the fucking phone book in Dublin. <laughs> um, so I want to point out though that in that sentence though you're not pointing out a difference in the model. You're pointing out a difference in just time, right? Because there was yeah. some point where the NFL decided. To make a change from however it was broadcast, whenever you know, to yeah. the centralized broadcast system with the rotating crews, and um, what that argument is implying, like the necessary premise of the argument, is that you, if you haven't gone to that centralized model before 1980, you are right. forever stuck because somebody's right. job is on the line. Or how right. about this? It implies, it's making it's making yeah. the it's making the argument that if if the NFL could, NFL fans could go back, they would. It's like there's not a single NFL fan in the world that's like, no. What I really think would make the NFL better is if I had my own home uh, TV broadcast crew I could watch. No. Right. Or like, I really love. Uh, oh my God, uh, Tony Romo. Uh, I love his commentary. I really wish only Dallas Cowboys fans got his commentary. It's like, I wish whoever weird. did PR for the Bengals called the games on TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. I'll, I'll I'll throw a name out there. We've all we've all seen and heard Brad Johansson call uh, Bengals games. It's not great when it's the local team doing it. <laughs> you know, he's selling used cars now. I, like he's a used car salesman out in Indiana. It's a good market for that right now. It is. <laughs> he's I mean, probably wait. making more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not working for Mike Brown. That's for goddamn sure. So he probably no. is making way more money. 
And I'll point out the way the NFL gets around this is they let you keep the radio hosts uh, on the uh, on the broadcast, and uh, they're still allowed to do that in MLS, and they give you the option to switch over. Imagine an NFL broadcast that lets you switch to to Dave and Dan listening to a game. I I'm wouldn't. in. I know. No. I know you two wouldn't. I absolutely would. <laughs> no, you couldn't. You couldn't pay me enough to hit that button. <laughs> but That's... it's there if you want it. <laughs> Although it's possible, maybe even likely, that MLS hires from already established crews, still a vast majority will be without an MLS TV position. What makes this worse know. is current local TV crews were not given any sort of heads up that this was happening. Nor nonsense. that an announcement that's was nonsense. coming. I do no, that's, think that that's bullshit. That's utterly <laughs> bullshit. I mean, it, it's been an open secret in the broadcast industry that MLS was flirting with signing a total package rights. I mean, we've talked to somebody just doing this that said, I don't know about taking a gig in MLS because apparently they're bringing all their rights in-house. Right. Yeah, well, I think, I think we can say that when Watts was on, he didn't mention the job. But he mentioned he turned down a position yeah. because – and he didn't tell us this, but we all assumed it was some MLS team job. Yeah, and we're And again, idiots. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I – I'm sorry if I'm putting words in his mouth and I want to be clear that he did not tell us this. This is not no. based on any information that we got. Right. But it was an open secret even to us dipshits. That MLS was concerning taking all their broad was considering taking all their broadcasts and to some was, you know central format. It was public, and I'm I'm fairly certain there is a Don Garber statement that MLS explicitly put out telling clubs that they will not sign local deals past 2022 to give themselves flexibility. They didn't say they absolutely would take it in. They wanted to give themselves flexibility because they wanted to open up. Uh, they wanted the biggest paycheck possible, and if that meant giving away all local broadcast deals, then so be it. They wanted to give themselves that flexibility. They didn't want to do a thing where they go, okay, you can have everybody except New York City, LAFC, and Dallas because they've already signed big deals till 2030, and you shoot yourself in the foot. Instead, these crews found out they could be without a job as soon as next year, the same way everyone else did. Do they mean everyone else in the country who can always all be out of a job at any given time? Right. And or also that's a people who are typically laid up. off with like right. a week's notice? Yeah, I've been laid off with a zero days notice before, <laughs> so I'll, I'll give me a six months heads up. <laughs> Some of these announcers have been a part of MLS since the early days and might be out of luck when it comes to next season. From a Columbus crew perspective, Neil Sika has been a part of the club in some capacity since 2004 and began his first full season of calling games, first on the radio and then on television in 2007. Well, he can just go back to the radio, right? Yeah. Or other or capacities. Hire, or get hired by MLS. I mean, if right. he's so damn good, then shouldn't he be on the list for the announced teams that they're putting together? Jordan Angeli joined the Black and Gold broadcast team in 2020, the first female to hold a full-time TV analyst role in club history, and worked for the Colorado Rapids in various roles for four years prior. First of all, I just want to say, when people just write, like, female in a, in a sentence, <laughs> it just gives me the creepy crawlies. Um, it just sounds like it's coming from a Ferengi. Second, <laughs> second, I do I, I do like Jordan Angeli. I mean, we've listened, yeah. I, I've listened to her on the MLS Assist podcast, and I, 
I I think she'll probably land on her feet. I think she's I think she's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, because the expectation when these clubs broadcast rights go away, they're still going to need to market themselves out there. They're still going to need to produce content that, you know, goes to YouTube, that goes to possibly Apple TV. There's going yep. to be opportunities for people that are creative, that are good at what they do. They're not going to lose these people. They're just going to bring them in-house if they're really talented. That's It's like the yeah. point about, like, oh, Alex Steck's going to be out of a job as a sideline reporter. No, she's not. They're going to find a billion. If they're smart, they'll find a billion different things for Alex Steck to do. They'll have her hosting a podcast, or they'll have her you know, doing more features on getting to know players and things like that. If, they, if you're right. an asset to your club as a broadcaster, there will be opportunities for these people going forward. Just might not be in what they're doing right now. Brett Hiltbrand has provided hosting and sideline coverage since 2019, initially on a fill-in capacity before joining full-time in 2020. So this guy's been on the job like a year. Yeah, that's not that long. I'm not sad for him. His name is literally Hiltbrand, so I'm sure he'll be okay. All three are among the most talented in the MLS field. I'll take his word That's for it. That's bold. <laughs> I would I would bet this person has not watched more than 10 other broadcast teams during his time as an MLS fan. It's regardless, actively hard to do that, yes. Regardless of their crew connections, and deserve to continue calling MLS games on television, but may not have that luxury if the league goes in a different direction. Also, well, that's just like, like a, a, there's, there's, like a truism. Sure. There's also a billion people out there that deserve to have gigs calling games or doing whatever. It, it's just, it's... it's. I mean, that same sentence applies to us. Like, man, with this deal, I think the host of the postcast probably won't be able to broadcast FC Cincinnati games going forward. It's but, tough. Yeah, it's, it sucks sometimes. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to get pro- broadcasting anyway. It's going to be tough for us to call, um, to, to analyze MLS games with our Apple TV, because I think that conflicts with our Amazon deal. Ooh. Oh, that's true. Yeah. No, well, yeah. I mean, we're on Apple Podcasts, so I mean, I feel it's just a natural switch over to be involved with Apple TV. That's I, true. Oh, there's, there's, did I tell you? I'm gonna, I, I'm all about us applying to Apple TV's MLS coverage and just seeing yes. if we can just if we can weasel our way into some sort of a deal to have our the postcast yes. put up there. They're gonna be like I love shit like this because chaos is a ladder and like all these people are gonna be out of jobs. Nobody knows what's up. Nobody can find the channel. Everyone's gonna be mad. And then we just slide the resume in with, hey, we interviewed Alex Steck once. We had Dan <laughs> McNally on once. People like us. Well, you they know- don't really like us, but here you don't know that. When Amazon Prime started, you used to be able to just create your own movie or show and just send it you to them. You still can. And they you would still can. They would just put it up because they just you know yes. need need uh, <laughs> need content, which is why there's all types of like really weird like yeah. right wing and yes. like hateful stuff on there. And you know Apple's going to need stuff for their for their MLS channel. Yeah, and we got you know we're. We just got it all packaged up. We we, we already got the video. We certainly are recording things. Yeah. I mean, who who does that hurt? Of all the MLS-related podcasts out there, we're certainly one of them. Who does it hurt to let us just throw it up there on the channel? People can choose to watch it or not. Or they can choose not to watch it. It's great. That's what I'm saying. We're giving people more choice. See, we're already doing Apple's work for them. We are refuting this massive report article right now because we're already brainstorming great content avenues for us. Fuck the other people. I'll I'll email Tim Cook after this. Let's do it. Tim Apple. 
Tim Apple. <laughs> yeah, tell them tell them you're interested in acquiring a part of uh, of uh, Apple TV Plus. You're an investor. You represent a group of investors. <laughs> I, before you know it, I'm I'm in some boardrooms and it's a whole thing. I just picture Kevin as like the guy in the Mr. Sparkle video that Homer Simpson gets. Hello, wealthy American investor. Kevin's like, I'm thinking about backing out of the deal. How many of you users are bots? Like, well, none. We're not a social network. We people pay to watch. Stuff. Who cares if they're bots? They're paying subscribers. <laughs> this is money in our pocket. Bots are people too. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. According That's to that a Star Trek episode. Google, well, according yeah. to that one guy from Google last week. It's a yes. lot of Star Trek episodes. <laughs> and while the Apple TV deal will allow fans to select listening to the local radio broadcast where available, instead of the TV broadcast, this typically comes with a delay. That is not pleasant when trying to watch live sports. Oh my god. Have these people ever figured out the pause button on their goddamn TV? Like syncing up. It's a time honored tradition of syncing up the TV to like the audio feed on the radio. That's not hard. They, this is Plus, if you, also... can't, if you can't find the game, who cares about the delay? I, I also Great can't believe point. that if I also can't believe that if Apple is offering a radio yes, feed yes. alongside the TV feed, that the people that have somehow managed to make the iPhone, the MacBook, and the iPad can't figure out how to fucking sync an audio stream up from two different sources. Right. I mean, my phone already records me and sends my voice in real time to the NSA. Just use the same technology. Yeah. To to That's... air the broadcast. And if they're doing on-site broadcasters which it sounds like they're gonna try to do when possible uh they're in the same spot anyway it's like it's not like the one team's broadcasting from over here and the other team broadcasting from over there if they're both on site it is as easy as hitting a button and if, so if they're yes. both on the apple tv app and it's a button that you're hitting like what does this person think's gonna happen they're gonna have to fucking launch real player or iheart radio in order to have that <laughs> other audio feed like you literally can't run two apps at the same time on Apple TV devices. So I'm going to go ahead and doubt that that is how this solution works. In addition to cutting a number of the league's television broadcasters, having only 10 to 14 crews means these announcers could be calling multiple games in a week. Oh, oh horror. Wow. <laughs> God, nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody, tell, nobody tell Kirk Herbstreet that that's bad. Mike Watts, I'm pretty sure, has called four different sports in the same day. Like, like that's what professionals do sometimes. Dan Horde has done every single major sport in the city in a weekend. Like, didn't, didn't Watts say that when he does fine. a broadcast, like the first thing he writes at the top of his paper is the name of his broadcast partner and the city he's in just because yes. he's calling everything from a fucking booth? And he has yes. no idea who the person he's calling the game with is. Yeah, he said that that uh, he doesn't know who he's calling it with, and sometimes until like kickoff, he's like, "Oh, you? Okay, we're in." <laughs> Given the focus local announced crews can currently give to their team, the crew's broadcast team is at each availability, watches practice multiple days per week, and speaks with head coach Caleb Porter and players before each match. The insight fans have long enjoyed is likely to suffer. Well, we that's wouldn't not, know about that. No, but like I was every, other, say, every I don't other, think Tommy's doing that. <laughs> but every other sport has figured this out. Like yeah. in the NFL and in college football, even for when you are on like that Wednesday night degenerate gambler Mac football game on ESPN, even they still get availability with you know Frank Solich from Ohio yes. University. They still can talk to him and they still find out details. Watts talked about that. Yeah, yes. he talked about calling up the coaches and going to practice and and doing yeah, all that that's stuff. Just it's this is and just also this is professional. This will be 
This will be the league's sole focus. So the league will probably have rules around letting or demanding that the Apple broadcast crews get a mandatory 25-minute call or whatever the case may be. It's, like, it's fucking no Apple. Version of they'll that. they'll yeah. fly drones over practice and live stream them to these <laughs> announcers' phones so they can watch it. But they make so much goddamn money as a corporation, they can afford to like have virtual reality glasses that they can stand in the middle of the field in practice yes. and watch them play. They will figure this out. They have every reason to, to make this look good because this is the product they're going to show to other sports leagues to say, put your games on fucking Apple. And then I see yes. I see two I see two big advantages to uh, the new setup to the current setup. One is the the announcers are probably going to have more knowledge of both teams, yeah. which yes. may come in handy. And two, uh, they're not going to be so married to whatever anecdote they picked up at practice over the week that they may, they might actually just you know call the game and react Whoa. to what's happening in the game. <laughs> That'd or, be a radical or push concept. a compelling. Yeah, push a compelling league-wide storyline so that it's interesting to watch if you're a casual fan and not a diehard of the home team. And I was about to say, too, it's like, how do you make MLS fans out of people that are FC Cincinnati fans? Well, tell me something about the team I'm watching. Tell yes. me something about the players that I'm watching, the opposing coach. Make me smarter about the league in each one of these games I'm watching, not just about the five or six players on our team that you want to keep talking about. Like, that's... That's how I you watched make the uh, wide fans. I watched the Philly broadcast last weekend because for some reason Hulu was not uh, blacked <laughs> out, and they didn't know a thing about. No, <laughs> no I watched about, it too. I was down here on vacation. It was about. Uh, it was a great listen, about, but they didn't, have a, they didn't have they a clue about they kept, us. They kept saying Waboko and Ugh. Centano, like. Well, to be fair, we might not. We might all be pronouncing Celentano wrong too, as it turns out. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's Celentano. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's too late. It's Celentano forever. He's got to change. This is like a Nazmi who had his own like three different ways he pronounced his name. So, yeah. All right, we're almost we're almost done here. This is this is riveting uh, content. I love it. <laughs> Any new television deal MLS signed wasn't going to be perfect. The MLS Live and packages similar to that have their drawbacks, and the ESPN Plus deal of the last few years was far from perfect. It also Eddie. wasn't on the table this go around. I mean, that's the that's the bottom line here is that you half the shit people want wasn't there. It's like, yeah, I also want a brand new Tesla and a mansion somewhere. <laughs> no one's just going to give that to me. Right. I'm stuck many, with my fucking Jeep. It sucks. Many fans especially are likely to enjoy what Apple TV will provide MLS, and there's plenty to like about the deal. Well, who's supposed to like but other than fans, it's. Do I have opinions about like rugby's broadcast deal? I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan. I don't have an opinion. <laughs> and again, it goes all the way back to the start of this article. The only thing that matters in this deal is that it was offered and it pays money and it paid a yes. lot of money. And yes, everything else about this is is nonsense and it's it's just it's the side dish instead of the main course. But to say this deal doesn't have its faults and may negatively affect many would be ignoring the other side of what's coming to MLS over the next 10 seasons. The only point that they made in all of this is that it will be slightly harder to watch in bars. And, and that, and that some, some very hardworking broadcasters may lose their jobs. Yes. Okay, fair. So 
<laughs> let me let me tell you how much that moves me over two hundred fifty million dollars a year. As compared to like, I think I can't imagine the next best offer on the table was more than a hundred to one hundred and fifty. Like they, ESPN didn't want it. All these teams, like these teams, are losing money on their local broadcast deal on aggregates. Like yeah. it's this. Have, this was so far better than anything the league had any right to get. That criticizing it, you're not being intellectually honest if you don't start from a point of this was far and away the best deal that was on the table for MLS. Do you wish that your local, you know, Yahoo that calls the game still kept his gig? Yeah, you don't want to see anybody get fired. But the starting point for this has to be this was the best deal on the table, and it's yes. not even close what one A or one B was. When the new uh, when the new transfer window opens, I'm going to write an article that. Uh, transfer season has unintended consequences. Did you ever think about the fact that some players will lose their job? <laughs> some of them have been around since the beginning. Yes, of some this of them have been around since last year. I love. I do love the the premises, the unintended consequences. Like MLS signed this deal and went like, "Oh fuck, what if someone wants to watch at a bar?" Like, "Oh <laughs> shit, oh my god, we didn't think about that." Or they're sitting, or around, a, MLS... they're sitting around a boardroom and it's like, "Hey, so uh, Joe, did you give a call to all the broadcasters to give them a heads up that they were getting canned?" Shit, was that oh, me? No. Oh no! Oh, I thought I had till July to do that. What happened? Or you, or you specifically cut out local broadcasts. And reduce the total number of broadcast teams to about half of uh, what's available in the league, and you never consider the fact that local broadcasters might not all fit in in what's left. Well, oh, they they considered it. it. They considered it, and then the other thing they considered is that we draw two hundred thousand people nationally watching these games. I can't believe someone paid us for this. Right? Yeah, people right. aren't people aren't joining the league by clicking through the channel and finding no. it on ESPN. They are actually already on ESPN, and they see MLS come on, and they like, turn no, it off. No, no, no. <laughs> and they turn it off. Like, there are kids that open toys on YouTube. They just open toy packaging. Not even play with the toys. They didn't build the toys. It's kids opening toy packaging that do more viewers than MLS games. <laughs> just, it's, I, I, I don't think people understand how terrible MLS ratings are compared to literally anything on literally any other form of media. Right, right. And uh, I don't know if people are familiar with this dynamic, but World Soccer Talk is infamously anti-MLS. It's, it's run by sort of closeted pro-rel truthers who, who are actively rooting for the demise of the league. Um, I think a lot of them had ties to the old NASL. When... Don Garber came out and said, or I think it was a, an anonymous source had said that MLS was looking for a deal around $300 million a year. They wrote an article about how absurd that was and that the league would be lucky to get any money and that this is so ridiculous and it shows you how out of touch the, t uh, the league is from the reality on the ground. And the fact that MLS got close and, oh, by the way, Univision and ESPN are still out there apparently – discussing a simulcast option i mean this literally could not have gone better no and you're not being like i said you're not being intellectually honest and the author of this article i, I applaud anyone that's willing to write nonsense for multiple paragraphs <laughs> it's yeah, kind of what respect I, 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 respect god love you and you know what you baited a click out of the three of us congratulations on that but that was just one of us i read it to you <laughs> 
<laughs> ha! See? Fuck you, asshole. We got yeah. three people reading about this article for just one click, and we all think it sucks. How about that? We owe you, uh, whatever it is, a half of one cent for our views right. on those banner ads. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, massive good report. stuff. Massively hey. sucks, more like. It, it wouldn't be the postcast without a long, drawn-out argument or discussion about uh, MLS broadcast rights. Am I right? I mean, that's that's our brand if we have one. Um, gentlemen, I think that'll do it for uh, all episode 17. 17 episodes. Call us, Apple. That's, Call us, Tim. <laughs> it's too many episodes. Let's go back a few. Uh, well, guys, thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me guys and uh it was a good one i don't know goodbye i don't know how to end these